the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And uh, broadcasting tonight from the worldwide headquarters of uh, Roberts and Company here. <laughs> Love what they've done with the place. Good evening to you. Welcome. Good to have you on board for this Tuesday, December the 15th edition of Lifeline. Is that the, the Ides of December? Not so sure about that. We'll have to have to check into that. At any rate, hope you're having a good week so far. We are, my goodness, 10 days and counting down toward Christmas. A week from this Friday, and uh, it's going to be an unusual time of year. A lot of us that normally travel and spend time with family and so forth are uh, not going to be doing that this year. I had plans to be out of, uh, well, out of town, out of the country, and uh, going to modify that a little bit too, just because we need to all be extra cautious in protecting our loved ones during the COVID season. But we're heading into what we hope is a promising 2021, what with the... Uh, advent of the vaccine, uh, now finally within reach, and um, hopefully we'll get this experience behind us, and hopefully we as Americans will be better for this experience, even through the tragic loss of life. What was the last number I saw? Approaching, if not already exceeding, 300,000 Americans. And we should be mindful this Christmas 2020 to be in prayer for their family members that we'll see vacant seats at the table this Christmas. Of course, a lot of people are not um, looking forward to Christmas this time of year, in large part because of the impact of COVID on the economy, lost job, people struggling to make ends meet. And we're still in a region like the San Francisco Bay Area with some of the highest cost of living anywhere in the country, we have literally heard from families who are making tough decisions. Do we pay the rent? Do we buy food? Do we buy clothing or maybe a token toy or two for our children? How do we manage our way through this very difficult time? Oh, we understand that it will someday be behind us and we will be better. But in the meanwhile, how do you explain to the kids? Well, We've partnered this year with the Bay Area Rescue Mission, as we have for many years now, to help make a difference, to bring a sense of joy and hope to families that are right on the edge of hopelessness. And with me right now is the Executive Director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, Reverend John Anderson, to give us a bit of an update as to uh, progress in preparing literally thousands of bags and boxes filled with food that will go to needy families and uh, putting on and preparing to put on quite the uh, the Christmas feast, even if folks are going to have to come to the mission, pick up their food, and then take it elsewhere. And John, good to have you with us. Give us a bit of an update. Thanks, Craig. It's always great to be with our KFAX listeners. 
and to share what God is doing at the Bay Area Rescue Mission in changing hearts and touching lives. You know, Craig, this morning I was down at the rescue mission in our food pantry distribution area and talking with several people. Uh, they're getting ready to receive the boxes of hope that our KFAX listeners provided when I was on the air. You know, they made donations and pledges. Uh, I was on the, the air with you last week. And the um, if I got the numbers right, the uh, money that was donated, pledged by our KFAX listeners, is going to help pay for 1,416 boxes of hope. Now, that's 84 boxes short of our goal of 1500 and with each box costing about $40 each, uh, we still need to raise $3,360. But the comments I was hearing this morning from people that are dependent upon the Bay Area Rescue Mission, uh, a lot because of COVID-19 and loss of jobs and just the economic situation that's taking place in our community today, I just heard thank you after thank you after thank you the difference that our KFAX listeners and others are making in turning this Christmas around for so many, if not homeless, near homeless people who are impoverished and in great need. And of course, as you know, John, we've seen the Bay Area go through difficult times in the past. We all suffered through the 2008-2009 real estate debacle. We saw the dot-com burst, the bubble burst in 2000. So moments of difficult challenges economically are not unusual. But combining that with a global pandemic, the tragic loss of life, and the uncertainty of the future for so many tens of hundreds of thousands of millions of Americans, that is certainly unusual in our lifetime. And as John points out, we committed to make sure that at least 1,500 Bay Area families would have access to food, complete meals that they can enjoy together as a family. And these Christmas miracle boxes of hope are accomplishing just that. Now, John mentions that we are 84 families away from reaching our goal. It is so close. So if you've heard us talk about this, you've thought about it, you've prayed about it, have you done something about it? And if you haven't, would you be willing to right now Go to kfax.com, click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage, and give as generous a gift as you can. We were delighted to hear toward the end of our visit, John, last Thursday, that the benefactors that came forward and supplied a triple grant challenge for this specific effort have decided to extend that. And so you have an opportunity to literally triple your donation tonight. So, for example, as John mentioned, it's about $40 per family. That's a food box that will provide all of the traditional goodies and, on average, about 20 or more meals per family. And your gift tonight of $80 with the Triple Challenge Grant means you'll be able to adopt six families. Some can do more, perhaps a little bit less. The main thing is that we all pull together to help make it a brighter Christmas 
and provide hope and, most importantly, the good news of the gospel this Christmas to needy families across the Bay Area. Again, go to kfax.com, click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. That's Bay Area Rescue. And again, you'll find that banner at the top of our homepage at kfax.com. Remember, every dollar you give as you consider your end of year giving is fully tax deductible. And for a short period of time, that triple grant challenge stays in effect, which means every dollar you give will be tripled. So give a buck, it becomes three. Give an $80 gift that would normally provide food for two families will actually, with the triple grant, be able to provide meals for six entire families. So don't delay. Let's hear from you right now. Go to kfax.com. Click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. And John Anderson, thank you so much, brother, for the update. Can we uh, maybe try to touch bases again tomorrow night? Well, let's do our best. And uh, thanks again for all your prayers and support. By the way, Boxes of Hope will also include a Bible for each family. Excellent. All right. Well, again, we appreciate so much the hard work. Uh, Bay Area Rescue Mission having to do a lot of this without the usual volunteers because of the COVID situation. So uh, let's be in prayer for the entire team, John Anderson and his staff at the Bay Area Rescue Mission, and not only stand behind them prayerfully, but also stand behind them financially as well. These resources will encourage needy families this Christmas. Give your gift online. Go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. All right, much more to come. Let's uh, here at 515. Let's get you a quick update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Even as we celebrate the arrival of the COVID-19 vaccine and uh, pray that its deployment will Um, help put an end to this horrible pandemic. Uh, One thing is certainly clear, that our nation has gone through a very tumultuous time. But it's not just one of health problems, political upheaval. There's so much more going on below the surface that really perhaps is demonstrative of the notion that overall, many have concluded that God is working to get our attention. Joining me now is Pastor Sam Rohr, the president of the American Pastors Network. He's also the producer of Stand in the Gap, heard on radio stations across the country. And Pastor Sam, always a delight to have you join us on the program. You know, we've certainly as a nation gone through cyclical moments of difficult periods, be it the Great Depression, World War I, World War II, uh, whatever it might be. But I've got to believe with what we've seen here in this nation in in recent times, and particularly exacerbated by a pandemic, which I think hopefully causes all of us to confront our own sense of mortality and and, uh, where our place in eternity might be, that perhaps in a real sense, some of this pain that's been brought to bear is maybe God's way of, well, if not bringing judgment, at least hoping to get our attention. What do you think? Well, I think, Craig, uh, and it's, by the way, it's great to be back with you uh, again. You know, whenever, whenever things, uh, circumstances occur, uh, particularly in the life of a nation, uh, God makes it true, makes it clear all the way through the Old Testament with uh, Israel. 
Uh, Deuteronomy 30 is a great passage, a great chapter, for instance, where God says there, if you follow my commands and you initiate my ordinances and you basically, you, you basically live in your families and in your nations like I have established, then he said, I will bless you with rain, with good crops, uh, I will bless your families, I will keep you from pestilence and plague. And he says in that passage that it is the same as choosing life. So he says, choose life and live, follow my commands. But then, on the other hand, if you as a nation walk away from me, you forget that it is I who gave you the blessings that you have, and you forget my commands, and you change my ordinances, and you say you can do it on your own, then, then he said, I will withhold the rain. Pestilence will come. You will not have security from your enemies, and it will be, he says in that passage, as if you're choosing death. So, so all before us as individuals, as, a, as nations, God has always put a choice. And he's, when we make choices individually, and we make choices as a family, biblical choices, then it will bring blessing to our family. Nationally, when you have enough people do making enough right choices, then God brings national blessings. So when we see the things that are the marks of the withholding of God's blessings, those things which are evidence of God says, I withhold the rain, fire will come on your land. California's had a lot of that, right? But, he, but, mm-hmm. but those are things that God calls out. He said, when those things happen, then they're evidence that I'm trying to get your attention. Uh, the COVID issue is a plague. It's a biblical pestilence. It's a, it's a plague. And God, God is always the one who sends plagues. Devil, the plagues don't come from the devil. They come from God. And they're sent to get our attention in a number of ways. And so you ask, I think, the right question, and I'm asking the question of people, of our churches across America. At this point now in December... After all of these months of this extraordinary year where our freedoms have been usurped, laws have been made by governors and mayors that have been unconstitutional and unlawful, limiting the way we live, the way we go to church, the way we educate our kids, the way we experience leisure, all of those things. Our entire life has been affected. When these things occur, I, like I said, I, I ask right now, um, church, individuals, are we better? Are, are we more likely to uh, respond to such things in the future um, with a better understanding of who God is? Um, can we say that our walk with God is one now more of faith than of sight? Are we, as the church, truly exhibiting uh, a witness that is more clear? that is more distinctly different from a confused world than we were when we started. And, uh, and frankly, Craig, I am not so sure that we are. I don't think the Church is, at, at generally at large. I think, I think many, too many, are operating by fear. I know too many pastors across the country who are operating by fear and are not evaluating where we are appropriately. So. That is one thing. So God can send these kind of things as judgment to a nation, to awaken a nation, but it's always sent as a matter of mercy to God's people. So in His mercy, we turn back to Him, and if we do, 
then we become, at times of difficulty in nations, we become brighter lights and uh, share the gospel more fervently than we perhaps ever have. And we live and walk by faith in such a way that we've never done it before. And our neighbors and our friends say, how can you be so confident in this day of confusion? Oh, let me tell you about that uh, person that I put my faith in. That's basically, I would summarize where we are. It's, it's the exact thing that God would have us to do, and has told us all through Scripture, we need to evaluate our lives personally, lives of our family, our churches, how we're walking with the Lord. We've got to examine and say, what are we doing in a relationship to the Lord, and are we walking more closely to Him now than we were? And I would wonder, uh, Pastor Rohr, particularly during this time of year, when, when typically Christians be able, begin to spend some time in, in a season of introspection, yes, it's a beautiful time of year that we celebrate the birth of Christ, but to also come to the understanding of the totality of what this means, and that that tender, fragile babe in the manger that we see so often depicted around this time of year will soon grow up to be a man who will hang on a tree in order to provide the means by which we might be forgiven and reconciled unto very God, creator of the universe. And I'm reminded that Scripture throughout tells us that God is a jealous God. He will have no gods before him. And the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. I wonder if part of the, the important message this Christmas 2020 is for the church to really grapple with the notion of is God first and foremost in our life and do we serve him above all others or do we allow the attraction of things like material possessions and power and things of this nature to to kind of slip in between us and our relationship with him and and if so uh, maybe high time that we as the church come to a bit of a reckoning here voluntarily so in kind of a second chronicles seven fourteen spirit uh least the hand uh, of god be moved of judgment upon the earth starting of course as scripture reminds us with his church no i think you're i think you're totally correct and uh you know i think a, a good practical test is really for each one of us when we look in the mirror in the morning uh, I know we all do, probably, anyway, look in the mirror, fix our hair, we get cleaned up, ready to face the day. To actually at that point say, hmm, today, do I fear God more than man? Do I fear man more than God? Uh, who do I worship? Who do I look to more? I mean, during this time of COVID, government has really worked hard to get people to look to government. I mean, when's the last time you heard a government official talk about God? Except for the major yeah. president, uh, when he, in the, in the in, in, you know, Christmas address just a couple of days ago, did a tremendous job talking about Lord Jesus Christ, and it was wonderful. But, but beyond that, government officials and government policies during this time of need, when, what's the last one, any time any one of them ever talked about God? They talk in terms of government as God. So we as people have to be very careful so I think it's appropriate to say, to whom do I look more in times of need? God, the deliverer, the meter of all of my needs, one who's one who's promised to supply all my need through his riches and glory? Or do I look to government, look to the governor, look to the federal government? I think these are really practical times because those are the questions I believe that God is asking. He says, I want your worship. I want your attention. 
I want you to fear me more than man. I want you to embrace truth, not walk into lies. Don't be deceived. Don't be confused. Be confident. I think these, this, we've had a whole year to actually think this thing through slowly. And I think it's really as we approach this time of Christmas, birth of Christ, and as we anticipate his second return, which I believe is very soon, uh, when he comes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then um, it's a great time to say, all right, where am I in relationship to the King of Kings, the Redeemer, and how am I going to answer before him when I do stand before him as judge? It's a great time to put the whole plan of redemption together. Undoubtedly so. And uh, as many of us are not traveling this year, we have an opportunity to uh, be at home, spend more time with family, hopefully spend more time in that um, period of, of, of contemplation and reflection to really take account of where we are uh, in our life, most importantly, where we are in our relationships, and most importantly to that, where we are in our relationship with the very God, creator of the universe. Pastor Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network. More information, by the way, online about um, Sam's great work at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. That's AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. Pastor Rohr, God bless you, and again, a very Merry Christmas to you and your family. 5.30 from KFAX. We've got a lot more coming ahead. Uh, we've got a bit of an update here, too, from um, Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute uh, pertaining to the recent Supreme Court decision related to uh, church gatherings. And there's going to be a online workshop available, which Brad will tell us about uh, a little bit later on when he joins us. So we'll get to all of that right after we get to a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Hey, before we get into our uh, next topic, I just want to maybe set the record straight. We had a caller to the program uh, yesterday when uh, uh, Brother uh, Jesse Gustan was hosting the show, Pastor Gustan was hosting, and there was some comment about <laughs> the, the COVID vaccine contains a microchip. Yeah, folks, you may want to do your homework. Um, that, uh, that quote, by the way, the origin of that quote uh, comes from one of our biggest enemies in history, the head of the Russian Communist Party has been promoting this rumor, and unfortunately, gullible Americans buy into this nonsense, that globalists have put a chip implantation that will be put to your vein when you receive the COVID-19 vaccine and uh, went on to say that uh, you'll love this uh, that uh, Roger Stone, the United States are using the virus for microchipping people so they'll be able to know whether or not you've been tested well there's absolutely no truth to that nonsense whatsoever. And, uh, you know, check your sources, people, really and truly. Check your sources. And when it comes from what is essentially communist Russia, let's let's not lose the fact that the, while the Cold War version number one may be over, Cold War number two isn't. 
And uh, it's just not befitting when Christians buy into things that are just absolutely nonsensical, particularly when they're being planted by enemies to do just this, to get people talking and stirred up. Then what you're going to do is you're going to say, well, I don't want to take the vaccine because there's a microchip in it. And then as a result, perhaps you pass away from COVID because you bought in to the Russian lie and they win and you lose. So don't buy into it. Okay. Let's turn a corner. We've got bigger fish to fry, as they say here at home in the United States. And uh, we begin with an update joined by constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus, counselor. Always great to have you with us. There's a there's a big topic I want to get to, but I've got to have you give us a quick update. Um, I had not heard about the church at Planned Parenthood, and this is a congregation that apparently has been gathering for worship services out in front of a Planned Parenthood for a couple of years now, quietly, peacefully. In fact, they don't even begin their worship services until after the Planned Parenthood's doors closes. But talk about bringing the power of prayer right to the uh, the very gates of hell. Brilliant idea, but I understand Planned Parenthood somehow thinks this exercise of First Amendment rights is a field too far, and they're suing this church. Tell us what's going on. Uh, yeah, this church, it's actually you know, Christians uh, from a number of churches, They, but they have the uh, this service it's once a month. So it's uh, called the Church of Planned Parenthood, and they have this uh, in, a, in a grass area that's public property, and, um, and they don't clog any traffic or anything. It's just they're doing it just right, and uh, they wait till uh, you know Planned Parenthood's not no longer open. They do that. Uh, Planned Parenthood suing them, claiming that they're losing business, and from a spiritual dimension, I can see why they might might be losing business, but. Uh, they're trying to say that, well, sometimes we have uh, patients who uh, are, are staying late, and, and then they hear the, you know, the sound, and they feel uncomfortable, so we want, you to, we want to stop them. Well, we at Pacific Justice are defending uh, this uh, church at Planned Parenthood. Uh, it's a great uh, large group of believers, uh, several hundred who come together uh, in unity to worship the Lord. Uh, they hear a sermon from the Word of God, the hope and love of Christ. Uh, so we're really encouraged. It's a privilege to defend them, and uh, we're going to stand by and uh, defend them all the way and as long as hard as we need to. Planned Parenthood has lots of money uh, to pay for lots of attorneys. That's what Pacific Justice Institute comes in to uh, uh, set the balance straight and uh, make sure that justice prevails. And just how patently dishonest they are that this uh, this gathering is only once a month and it doesn't start until well after Planned Parenthood is closed so this seems a whole lot to do about nothing they just don't like the presence of Christians uh, there on their site and uh, as you say uh, no doubt ultimately this is real spiritual warfare going on but they choose to try and uh, and play it out inside of a courtroom. Well, I appreciate the update on that, the counselor, and, and do keep us posted. Now, another issue that really, I think, in many respects, is sort of a sign of the times, uh, the challenging days in which we live, um, with the upcoming change in the administration come January, the human rights campaign, a um, LGBTQ advocacy organization, 
has released something they call their Blueprint for Positive Change in 2020, although if you read the fine print, you'll find out it's anything but positive change. What is most frightening about this notion is the idea that they are actually calling for uh, the removal of accreditation from any religious school that does not meet, and I'm quoting here, uh, science-based curricula standards. Do I read that properly, that if I'm, for example, running a, 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 a Christian school, that I could be, if they got their way, I could be at risk of losing my accreditation simply because at my faith-based Christian school, we teach faith-based creationism as opposed to evolutionism? Uh, you're right. Uh, they want to shut down every Christian college university that in any way even offers uh, creationism as a uh, an alternative uh, from a scientific perspective or otherwise. Uh, that's very, very concerning. They also want to uh, make it impossible for these uh, Christian college universities to have any students receiving Pell Grants or government student loans. Uh, this, of course, would just crush uh, so many Christian college universities, which is what they want to do. Uh, they want to force them to change their ideology, their viewpoint, as well as their hiring procedures. Uh, and then, of course, they also want to start reverse discrimination, like uh, an LGBT, gay, transgender, affirmative action-type program uh, where uh, they get preference and to be hired, to move up into higher positions above people who may otherwise be more qualified. Uh, this is a, a turning civil rights once again on its head, and, um, and many people of faith, bottom line, will be uh, discriminated against in the process, and uh, that's very concerning. And they have a very strong influence uh, on the uh, potential uh, new uh, Biden administration. So we at Pacific Justice will be watching this very closely and ready to represent people who, whose rights are being violated, particularly because of their faith. And they're not, uh, they're not subtle about this, are they? I mean, they're, they're specifically and openly targeting K-12 through schools all the way up to colleges and universities. Uh, any any faith-based institution, essentially, that doesn't essentially uh, toe the line, so to speak, and I'm quoting here, uh, they're calling for language regarding accreditation of religious institutions of higher education in the Higher Education Opportunity Act, could be, quote, interpreted to require accrediting bodies to accredit religious institutions that discriminate or do not meet, quote, science-based curricula standards. They go on to say, and I continue quoting, the Department of Education should issue a regulation clarifying that this provision, which requires accreditation agencies to respect the state admission of religious institutions, does not require the accreditation of religious institutions that do not meet, listen to this, neutral accreditation standards, including non-discrimination policies and scientific curriculum requirements. Now, you don't have to dig down very deep on that one, do you, to get at really what they're meaning here? Right. Uh, if a church, if a, if a school teaches a biblical worldview um, at, at all in any capacity regarding uh, creation, the origins of the universe, uh, they'd be toast. And, uh, and in their hiring process, they have to be willing to hire people engaging in uh, sexual lifestyles or relationships or uh, gender identity confusion uh, that go against the, the teachings and the beliefs of uh, Orthodox Christianity. And, and so that's why, or basic, basic Christianity, so that's why this is 
uh, such a, a very real threat. And, uh, and, it, and it, the sad thing is, Craig, is it, it's very viable. It's very possible. Uh, the only way to halt this potentially, especially if the, if the U.S. Senate um, shifts to the left because of the election the, the, uh, taking place in Georgia uh, next month, a special election for two Senate seats, um, if this happens, the only way of stopping it is going to be uh, in the courts and using the judges and the justices appointed on the Supreme Court by President Donald Trump. Uh, well, I so fortunately, we've... There, but, yeah, yeah but, but fortunately, we've got a, we got a gr- good group there that's smart enough to know that this is so extra-constitutional, it's not even funny. Hey, final question yes. for you, Counselor. We've talked a lot on this program pertaining to the issue of First Amendment rights, especially as it relates to a church's gathering. I understand that you have um, a special Zoom call, maybe the final one for the year, coming up on Thursday. Quickly tell us about that. Yeah, um, it's really valuable. Uh, it's uh, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, Thursday, and uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, the impact of the Supreme Court recent cases that really look like we're seeing uh, a light at the end of the tunnel regarding the shutting down of churches and businesses, for that matter, as well as private Christian schools, uh, and uh, an update on what's going on in Georgia. Uh, it's, uh, I think people are going to find it very, uh, very encouraging, as well as very equipping uh, as we move forward. And We've got great news for churches on this call on uh, on those who want to have indoor services uh, moving forward. It's going to be very encouraging, and we have uh, if people want to register. They just go to our website and they can register right now at pji.org. It's a Zoom call; they have to register beforehand. And we have a limited number of slots, so I encourage people to, to sign up, especially churches, uh, pastors, uh, church leaders, and, and others uh, who are an active part of their, their congregation. But do make sure that you sign up in advance, and to do so, go to pji.org. Again, that informative Zoom call coming up this Thursday, two days from today, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Details on the web, pji.org. Our thanks to Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute, for that update. Speaking of updates, how about one on traffic? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Well, as we alluded to a moment ago with Brad Dacus, and uh, I suppose to a a degree even with uh, Sam Rohrer earlier, uh, we're clearly experiencing a major paradigm shift here in our nation. And it's been one that's been happening for many years many years, if not generations. Uh, Some people point as far back as to the Kennedy years, seemingly that (coughs) at the juncture in which JFK was assassinated, there seemed to be a shedding of American innocence at that point, and arguably it's been sort of a downward spiral all along. Well, what with the uh, finalization of the vote today for the Electoral College, um, it is very clear... uh, contrary to to how folks have feelings otherwise, uh, that the election will bring about a change come January. One of the big concerns is that some of that change may include a reversal of a number of policies that have been critically beneficial in the pro-life movement. And as we learn next from Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee and the host of Life Matters, heard every Saturday morning, by the way, at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX, that it seems as if this sort of uh, political football of life 
goes ping-pong back and forth, administration to administration. And, uh, Brian, welcome. It's not the first time that we've seen a president um, put an end to the disastrous Mexico City policy that provided for federal funding of abortions overseas, only to see the next president reverse that. And I would suspect in the coming administration we can anticipate more of the same, meaning many of the critical policies that we've seen put to place in the last four years under the Trump administration would seemingly be facing a, a severe challenge under a Biden administration. Well, Greg, uh, yes, we're seeing right now just an incredible contrast of ideology pointedly on the issue of human life, the value of human life. As you know, I was honored to be asked, and I have signed a letter of thanks with Right to Life leaders from across the nation. Uh, thanks to President Trump, and I, uh, you also rightly pointed out, as Republican presidents come in, like George W. Bush, he reinforced, again, the Mexico City policy that had been sponsored by Ronald Reagan. And what that is, is that the United States would not give funds to international promotion of abortion. Again, the abortion industry, both here and abroad, is dependent on government largesse. They use your tax dollars to promote this ideology. So this president, this particular president, however, Donald J. Trump, has done so much more than the previous presidents. And that's why the letter that we all signed is of significance, because he particularly, not just the policies, and again, these policies are important, but the personnel and at the highest level, the courts. This man has appointed more federal judges than any recent president. And all of his judges, he required of them that they uphold the Constitution and the principle of the right to life. And this is incredible. So literally, while, again, we, I, I was honored to meet George W. Bush, I, I like George W. Bush, but I'll have to tell you, what he did was nowhere as sweeping and powerful as what this president, Donald Trump, has done. Also, Donald Trump was the first to attend uh, the March for Life and spoke so eloquently, so eloquently regarding the value of each and every human life. I think really the appointments, the judicial appointments, though, more than 200 federal judges, and then, of course, three, three Supreme Court associate justices. So this is incredibly important. They're not going away. Those appointments are for life. That's the enduring legacy of a president, and we just can't thank this president enough. Again, I was honored to join in with with so many other pro-life civic folks, folks that are involved, yes, in crisis pregnancy centers, but more to the point, the right to life is a legal assertion, a civic assertion, that the purpose of the law is to protect the vulnerable innocent. And this man has done so much, and also Vice President Spence, excuse me, Vice President Pence has been so bold in reaffirming that. So this is significant. The Harris-Biden administration, and I say Harris-Biden, I'll be honest with you, one is is we in California, we all know Senator Harris. She is not merely on a different course. This is antithetical. 100% unlimited abortion. 100% 
government funding of abortion. And even uh, 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 President, uh, President-elect Biden, he, would dis- he described his, his administration, this would be a Harris-Biden administration, that her ideas apparently are going to have a dominating effect. So there's something very starkly alarming at where we're going here. If this is what's, what we're looking forward to, it's not merely a change. And as you have pointed out, this issue, for many listeners, it is the number one issue. But it's an issue of civic import. And again, what our president has done has been extraordinary. And we really have to appreciate what he has done. And, and sadly, as some of these policies are stripped away, thankfully, there are judges there. There are judges with common sense, those who are committed to the Constitution, which is the, the job they're supposed to have. And so that's such a blessing. So, yeah, what a contrast. What a, a time in history we're living through. Would you anticipate, in addition to things like a, a potential flip-flop yet again on the Mexico policy, that things like uh, funding for fetal tissue research, we just talked about this, Brian, in relationship to uh, our own um, California election here with uh, one of the ballot measures that, that sought to bring back um, bond measures and funding for uh, more fetal tissue research. Could we anticipate seeing more of that under a Biden administration? With out question, and it's very clear again. A Harris Biden. I'm using that because that's what he used. It's a Harris Biden administration that he's working for, and uh, pretty alarming. But it was then Attorney General, California Attorney General Harris, who, as you know, persecuted, prosecuted the exposure of Planned Parenthood selling of body parts. And those videos were considered wrong because they were exposing things that go a little bit further than they want to talk about publicly. But that was being done, and it was documented, and that was a journalistic approach and has been used by journalists. These were the first journalists to ever be sued, particularly by the state. We're talking about the power of government, an absolute power. They were the first journalists to ever be sued for using that form of journalism, and it's been routine. That form of journalism is routine. So the Harris administration is not merely there to promote. They will promote abortion and the disregard for human life. So that includes, of course, how you feel about disabled children. You know, we, we can talk about that, but for different forms of euthanasia, the appropriateness of medical killing is really a deeper issue. That's what the right to life is about. And so... Yes, it's killing of babies in the womb. So we're emotionally committed to babies. If you don't care about babies, you're you're missing something. But we're talking about the use of government, of an absolutist authority, to promote not just the killing, but then to silence any examination or discussion of the real details. That's what Ms. Harris did as Attorney General. She will now have much more authority and influence, and according to Mr. Biden... Her worldview is the worldview he wants to promote. So this, and again, it's we can say many things about him, but it's fairly clear that he's fairly malleable. And uh, even as a Catholic, he's clearly a pro-abortion Catholic. So uh, the real issue goes even deeper. It's not just what's willing to be supported. They will suppress any knowledge or understanding of the right to life issue. 
So well, certainly, as you point out, we saw that in, in the case of the the lawsuits against the journalists, which is ironic because they based it on a violation of privacy because they were uh, hidden recordings, and yet uh, journalists have used those methodology for decades. My goodness, uh, programs like ABC's 2020 engaged in that kind of journalism for years, and we used to applaud it because it would help to uncover the bad guys. Here they uncover the bad guys selling baby body parts, and it winds out that those that were breaking the law and doing that, they're not the guilty ones, just the journalists that brought it forward. Unbelievable. Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, again remind you as you consider your end of year giving to support California Pro-Life Council, the wonderful work that they do, the program that Brian has right here on KFAX every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. to keep you on top of all of these issues. We're going to be heading into um, a wild year, no doubt. Uh, maybe not as wild in some ways as 2020, but <laughs> who's to tell? So we invite you to tune in and check out the Life Matters broadcast Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And for more information about supporting the work of the California Pro-Life Council, simply go online and give your gift at californiaprolife.org. That's californiaprolife.org. Our thanks to Brian Johnston for that update. Six o'clock, speaking of updates, let's get one on traffic.